Let's kind of pretend that didn't happen, and for the tape, we'll start again. Tape? How old do I sound? <laughs> for the MP3, we'll start again. Uh, good morning, church. <laughs> Lovely welcome. Thank you very much. Great to see you all this morning. So glad you all made it out. Do you know what? For those of you who turned up late, right, can I thank you, okay? This is not meant to be pointed, meant to be genuine, because you increase my faith, right? When it is 5 to 11, right, and you're looking around and you're thinking, where is everyone? And then everyone can, and then you're thinking, no, trust God. Trust God, don't worry about it, it's all going to be fine. They've not all gone away this week for, on holiday or whatever. So thank you very much, but please, if you can get here early and on time, it does help us out. You are valuable. Do you realise how valuable you are? Do you realise what a difference you make when you're here early and the atmosphere that you create and how you help the worship team and all of that stuff? So if you can, I know sometimes there's things get in the way and it's not meant to make anyone feel awkward, but if you can, please make it early. Journeys, journeys make it difficult, don't they? Anyone got kids they've got to get ready and bring out and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I can empathise, I can feel it for you. I love travelling. Right, I absolutely love travelling. I, I really want to see the world. Me and Vicky have got a, 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 this, this goal that we're going to spend a month in Tuscany together. That's probably going to be a few years down the line, I think, but it's a goal. We're going to do it one day. That's what I'm, I'm believing for. That's what I'm praying for. Um, and I, I love travelling. And travelling was always really, really easy until I got married. And... It literally, from, from the minute I got married, right, traveling changed. It literally transformed the day I got married, right? I'll prove it to you. The day we got married, we were going on, on our honeymoon and we were going off to, uh, it, it was near the Rock of Gibraltar, this beautiful hotel. The king and queen of, of Spain had stopped there and it was all planned. This is 20 years ago and we were all excited about it. And we arrived at Manchester Airport and we were looking at the board and it's not on, our flight isn't on the board. And I'm saying, oh, it's because we're early. There's no problem. And, and literally, we, we went to this desk to say, hey, can you give us the information on our flight? You know, it's not up on the board and whatever. And he said, it's left. It's already, no word of a lie, right? This is our honeymoon. The woman turned around and said, her words were, it's left. And as she's saying it, I'm watching my sister-in-law who's giving us a lift, just driving off into the distance as we're at Manchester Airport, kind of honeymoon ready, bags and everything, and the plane's gone. They changed the flight. They claimed they'd sent us a letter and let us know. I'm not convinced of, a, of it. And we're like newlyweds, you know, money's tight and all of that. And, and anyway, we got there. We literally got there. We got there. We got there that night. Quite miraculous how we got there safely. The, the driver who took us there, it's like middle of the night. And you know when you're driving along, right? Or you're being driven along. And this guy is flying down these roads uh, like a hundred man. I think he was annoyed that he had to take us because the, the rep had to sort it out with him. And he's driving down these roads and he's racing left and right. And I'm thinking, I can see the headlines. Honeymoon couple killed on, on literally on the first night. Didn't even make it to the hotel. But we got there safely in the end. But it's just been a kind of journey like that. Uh, literally, uh, we've got five kids. So if you've got kids and you struggle to get here on time, that, I, I get it. I understand that. And, and our oldest three, 
We got a daughter, and then we had twins uh, literally within three years of our daughter being born. So we had three kids under three. Holidays and journeys were just unbelievable. We have a big seven-seater car. It has roof rack on the top and a big box thing that you put all the luggage in and all of that stuff. And wherever we seemed to go, we went to France a couple of years ago and I remember coming back for the tunnel and we arrived, we're getting there to the tunnel, we've done our holiday and it's been lovely, this is about five or six years ago. Get to the tunnel, paying all the tolls and everything. Then it says to Vicky, "Okay, do you want to grab the ticket for the uh, for the for the ferry? You know, not the ferry, the uh, the Channel Tunnel." And she's like, "I've not got it." Literally, we're at the side of the road, emptying the entire car trying to find this single ticket, and it just goes on and on and on like that. Journeys, and you know, when you look at the Bible, right? The Bible is full. It is a book of journeys. You think about it for a moment. The Bible is a book of journeys. Right from the very beginning, you got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They were all making journeys. It wasn't just individuals that were making journeys. Entire nations were on journeys. The nation of Israel were on a journey of leaving Egypt and the oppression that they were under there and off into the wilderness, firstly to escape the oppression, but then on a journey to reach a a land that they'd been promised. And God is constantly taking us on journeys. He's taking us to places. We went to my cousin's house many years ago and he, he had this lovely, beautiful church that had been converted. He's not a Christian, not, not a believer, anything like that. And he got this church that had been converted and he offered us to stay there. And we were all excited about that. And the, he, on the top of the telly, had this, this is going back years now, before flat screen tellies. And he had this huge telly. It was, it was massive. And on the top of it, because it wasn't a thin one, it was like one of the big ones, was a statue. His wife was a Catholic and there was a statue of Jesus with his arms out at the front. Now, I'm not a Catholic, right? So I don't believe in kind of idols and all of that kind of stuff. So I, don't, I wouldn't have a statue or anything like that. I believe you go to God directly. You want to talk with God, you just pray to him. We don't need an idol. We don't, I don't need an image of God to be able to pray, praise him or worship him. I'm not having a go at Catholics, by the way. But that's not what we kind of believe in. Anyway, there's this statue on there and, and we're kind of looking at it and it's like, mm, I just don't like it. I just don't like statues of Jesus. I'm not into them. I don't think it's right. And I struggle with it. And then I literally, we, we've done this filming and I moved the telly and the statue fell Someone had given us a video camera. We videoed the kids and I was plugging it into the back of the telly and this statue fell and snapped the arms off Jesus. Well, it wasn't really Jesus. Don't worry. It wasn't actually him. It's just a statue, right? It's a meaningless statue. Don't worry about it. But snapped the arms off Jesus and I'm kind of thinking. And, and this is like a, a, a thing of how our journeys go. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Mark chapter 6. Because I want to talk to you this morning about what we need to be well equipped for our journey, for our spiritual journey. If you're a Christian in this place this morning, then you know, or you, you, hopefully you understand and you know that we are on a spiritual 
journey. Maybe one of the things that brought you to become a Christian, maybe you were thinking about the end of your life and you were thinking about where you're going to end up and what happens after death. Maybe that was one of the things that motivated you to think about eternity, to think about God, to think about salvation. Maybe that was one of the driving forces. We're not just on a journey for the end of our life of where we end up there in heaven, but we're on a journey in our lives as we live in our lives. It's a constant journey. In fact, we don't really hear so much of them in the UK, but apparently the most popular name for churches in America is Journey Church. They're all over the place. Journey Church. I like that name. I would have, I would have, we considered kind of calling this place Journey Church, but I don't think it really works in the UK. It doesn't just kind of, doesn't quite fit, does it? You know what I mean? It was just a consideration. Don't worry, this is not like we're changing the name of the church or anything like that. But journeys, journeys are important and to reach your destination, we need to be equipped. We want to get there safely. So if you've got Bibles with you, turn to Mark chapter 6. We'll start from verse 2 and it starts off like this. It says, the next Sabbath, he, this is Jesus, it's talking about here. He began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Now that alone is a really significant verse, not just because it's on about Jesus, but because it talks about Jesus being amazed, or sorry, not Jesus being amazed, the crowd being amazed by Jesus. And everywhere Jesus went, people were amazed by him. Have you, anyone read that in the Bible? Time and time again, it says they were amazed. They were amazed by his, his wisdom. They were amazed by the miracles that he performed. They were amazed by the, the teaching that he gave that they'd never, ever heard before. When the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, I tell you this, there's a greater one. Turn the other cheek. No one had heard teaching like that before. To us, it's kind of common. We've heard it all before. It's in our culture to turn the other cheek. But in that culture, it wasn't. If someone harmed you, you would go back and you would harm them back. And the idea of the scripture that said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it wasn't so much about revenge. It was more about measured revenge. It was more about, hey, when someone slaps you in the face, when someone takes from you, don't go and take more back. Just go and take back what they took from you. And that made sense. That Everyone understood that. That was kind of perfectly good teaching. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no, I'll, oh, I tell you this, when someone slaps you in the face, give him the other cheek so he can slap you again. Who on earth teaches like that? Who says that kind of stuff? It was incredible. They were amazed, but there was something about it. There was a something about Jesus' teaching that resonated the people went, no, that is it. That's the truth. That's the truth that we've been searching for. That's the thing that we never understood. And this was right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He wasn't so famous at this point. There were stories of him around and people knew of him. But this was right early in his ministry. Very, very early in his ministry. And they were still amazed. But their amazement changed. It says further on, it says this, they asked, where did he, did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon and his sisters. They live here right among us. They were deeply offended and refused 
Listen to that. They refused. It wasn't that they couldn't. They made a choice not to believe in him because of who he was. It was the man in Jesus, or Jesus in the man, that caused them to be offended by him. And to de- they didn't like the fact that he was one of them. That he was just a man like them. That they knew him. That they knew his flesh. I don't know what they wanted. In fact, I don't believe they knew what they wanted. But what they, they, what they did know was what they didn't want. What they didn't understand was what they needed. And it was Jesus. Then he explained their unbelief. Listen to this. Jesus told them a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Anyone ever faced that when you're kind of there with your family and, you, and, and maybe you're telling them something that you've told someone else and they're incredibly amazed by it. They're like, wow, that's incredible. I didn't understand that. I didn't get that. And then you're kind of telling it to your relatives or maybe your husband or your wife or your children or your, your parents, whatever it is. And you're telling them maybe something about God and about the Bible and they're just like, I'm not listening to you. I don't want you to tell me. I want someone else. And it was the same going on here. They didn't want Jesus telling them about God. They wanted something else. They wanted the miraculous. Goes on in verse 7. Says he in between, it says he went from village to village teaching people. But in verse 7, it says this And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits so not like in the ark where the animals went in two by two but in pairs they're going out not on their own they went out together they went out in pairs and he gave them authority and sent them out says in verse eight he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick no food no traveler's bag no money He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Now, that is quite incredible when you think about it, right? One of the things I love about journeys, I love the impromptuness of journeys. I like to just literally, on the day, a a couple of years back, I took my boys on a different occasion to France, and we literally decided on the morning. I got the boys up, it was summer holidays, we hadn't had a holiday that year and we weren't going to take a family holiday and I think Sophie was away and we were talking, we were saying maybe we should do something with the boys and we decided literally on the morning, a couple of days, we'll just head off to France and we'll just, we'll just find an Airbnb and we'll just do that and I love that. I love the excitement. Vicky's dead nervous about stuff like that. She's away today, by the way, if you're wondering where she is. She's preaching in Bradford, a friend's church over there. But she, she hates that. The idea of not being planned and planning it all in advance and knowing what we're going to eat each day and where we're going to stop and all of that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't care. I, I just lit a load of pot noodles in the back of the car. We stuck the bikes on the back and off we went. And if the Airbnb is no good, we don't care. We're only lads. We'll just enjoy it and we'll, and we'll kind of make do and whatever. And we'll just drive around. And we did all of that. Years ago, I went to, uh, on another journey, I went to Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. And this was a little bit more planned because I went with compassion on this trip. And when we got there, this was quite an, an incredible journey really because we got there and we got off the plane. It was a night flight, a long night flight. And I got off the plane and, and, and 
I try and keep myself fit, and I'm, I'm fairly fit. I was probably a little bit fitter then. I got off the plane, and I'm climbing the stairs in the airport, and I'm out of breath. I'm like, I'm going up the stairs, I'm like, Whew. I'm struggling to climb a flight of stairs. I'm like, what, what? I'm thinking, it must be because I'm tired because of the journey, you know, kind of, it wasn't jet lag, because it's only an hour's difference. I'm thinking, maybe it's just tiredness, you know, I didn't get much sleep on the plane, all that kind of stuff, and didn't really think too much about it. The day wore on, and I was exhausted because I hadn't slept on the plane, and we hit the ground running on that, f- uh, well, every single day till we left. And so I'm, I'm going through the day, and I'm getting more and more exhausted. I'm getting out of breath as the day goes on. Get back to the hotel, and I just wanted to go to my room, didn't want to eat with anyone else, just went off and, and kind of not feeling too good. And I'm starting to get chest pains. I'm starting to feel bad, and, and this is getting worse and worse and worse. I'm, I'm getting more and more out of breath and struggling to breathe, struggling, to, literally struggling, like, like, I'm, I'm, like I'm drowning almost, getting really, really bad. Next, and the chest pains are getting worse and worse and worse, and I'm getting more and more anxious about this. I'm thinking, hey, what's going on? And to give you an idea what Ethiopia's like and this, how this relates to this story, we're in the capital of Ethiopia, okay? And, and Ethiopia is one of the poorest countries in the world. And to give you an example, in the capital, right, most poor countries, they have some level of prosperity. This country didn't have anything. Even in the capital, it, it was like a shanty town. There were buildings all over the place, unfinished. You just had this, there was just this feeling that you were somewhere that was just off the beaten track. And, and uh, if disaster struck, there wouldn't be much you could do about it. There'd been reports of, because it's next door to, uh, not Syria, um, where the pirates go and take the ships. I forget the name of the country now, just to the right of Ethiopia. Uh, It'll come back to me. But there was reports of pirates coming in and and taking people hostage and all that kind of stuff. And so the the whole feel was, this is the kind of place you don't want to get ill. Because you've not got the NHS there where you can phone up an ambulance and it arrived four hours later. So any... (laughs) Come, come on, come on, keep up, keep up. And then that next morning we're driving along and I'm getting pains down my arm and my chest is getting tight. I literally thought I was having a heart attack. It turned out it was altitude sickness. Uh, Addis Ababa is at like four, four and a half thousand meters. So that's huge. That's kind of far, far bigger than any mountains in the UK. And when you land on that you've got no time to adjust and your body struggles but these guys the point of that is I felt unsafe in that environment I'm kind of like thinking about texting Vicky and and sending goodbyes to her and telling her I love her and hey if I don't make it and all this kind of literally I'm maybe I was being a bit drama you know but that's how I'm feeling I'm thinking I'm about to die I'm having a heart attack pains down my arm chest is getting tighter and tighter all of this stuff's going on I felt unsafe these guys are being sent out by Jesus they're being told to take nothing there's no NHS it's in a time when there would have been bandits when the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm sure you've all heard, that guy was beaten up at the side of the road and left for dead and people were walking by and leaving him at the side of the road. It's not often, very rarely, if, we, if that happened in the UK, someone beaten up and left at the side of the road while people walked past and looked and ignored and carried on, that would hit the press. Are you with me? This is a different culture, a different time. And Jesus is sending them out and telling them to take nothing with them except a walking stick. 
go in faith. He's saying, don't take anything with you. This was a journey with little provision. Verse 10, he goes on and he says this, wherever you go, Stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show them that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and to turn back to God. Turn to Luke 22, verse 35. Luke 22, verse 35. So this was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now we're fast-forwarding pretty much to the end of his earthly ministry, roughly three and a half years later. These disciples have been with him for three and a half years. They've seen miracles. They've heard teaching. They've seen all kinds of incredible things that if we saw today, we would be like, wow, we'd love it. We'd be amazed. The kind of things we pray for that we'll see that will happen. And these guys have seen all of that. In in verse 35, it says this, Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you out to preach the good news, and you didn't have money, a traveller's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? Did you need anything? He says, When I sent you out at the beginning... I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, or they're thinking to themselves, uh, when it happened, flip, you know, Lord, you're sending us out. Like, we, we, we're vulnerable. Anything could happen. We could be attacked. We're not taking swords with us or anything like that. In fact, Jesus goes on. We're not going to go to this bit because it's not the point that I want to draw out. There's so many points we could draw out. He talks about swords a few verses on. He talks about how, and this is, even at this point, three and a half years on, the disciples didn't understand fully what he, the point he was getting at. But they are about to, very shortly. They're going to understand it all. And the proof that they eventually do understand it all is us. Sunday morning, all around the world, millions in fact, probably getting on for half a billion or more, a billion, I don't know the numbers, we could only guess at them, uh, of Christians are meeting around the world now. And, in, and, and some have already met because they're in a different time zone to us. Some are still asleep and they're going to go to church, God willing, later on in the day. They got it eventually, but they didn't get it right here now. They didn't understand at this point. They, did, they understood this bit because they replied to him. They said, no, no, they replied. We, we kind of didn't need anything. But they didn't understand the point of it. They didn't understand what he was really, truly getting at. What the point he was really trying to make. But they did in the end. They got there. And I want to really talk about being equipped for the journey. What do we need to be equipped for our spiritual journey so that we arrive safely at our destination? Let me ask you a question. Does every Christian arrive safely at their destination? I'll leave you to, to, to come up with the answer to that one. Because it's a, it's a contentious question if you really understand the gravity of the question that I'm asking there. Does every Christian arrive safely at the destination? You could narrow it down and say, well, which destination are you talking about? I would say any destination. Does everyone, let me make it a little bit easier, does everyone who's professing to be a Christian 
arrive safely in heaven. I, 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 that one I would nail down and definitely give a, a, a no to that one. I would say no, not everyone does. We've seen, some of us have seen people who they're, they're talking the talk, they're walking the walk, they're giving it all this and, and how great they are and the faith is incredible and it's amazing. And then a few years later, where are they? And many, many do, but not everyone does. So what is it that we need? What is it? Because I can't imagine, unless you've come this morning and you're curious about faith, or maybe someone's brought you and you're maybe not a Christian, but you're coming to here and that's brilliant. If you're here, listen to this and, and, and judge it for yourself. Judge it for yourself. All I would say is don't judge it by the world's value, by the world's standards. Don't try and judge it by what you think is right or wrong. You really need to ask what is truth, what is right or wrong. Who says what truth is and what right or wrong really is? Who is the person that decides? Is it, is it the government? Is it Boris Johnson? <laughs> is it the other guy? He's on his way out, isn't he? Is it the next one that's coming in for Labour? Do they decide what's truth and what's right or wrong? Is it any government? Who is it? Who decides? Is it judges? Is it, is it the, 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 the kind of people? Maybe it's the newspapers. Maybe it's the Daily Mail or the Mirror. I won't mention one other paper. Maybe it's one of those. But if you want to reach your destination, I think there's lots and lots of things that can help you to get there. But I believe that if you want to reach your destination, whether that's a, a short-term destination, something that God's given you to do in your ministry, maybe he's called you to do something, maybe he's called you in the short term over the next couple of years to, to fulfill a ministry, maybe it's more long-term. Maybe we're thinking about just literally... Let's have some background music, I like that. T.D. Jake style. Come on, let's get the drums going and hallelujahs and amens and come on. Thanks, Neil, that's good. <laughs> if you want to arrive safely at your destination, there's lots of things that you could bring. Can we have to... Woo? <laughs> or maybe hold off because there's only one thing. I'm going to argue, right, there's only one thing that is absolutely crucial and essential that you need and that you should have. In fact, the number one rule if you want to arrive safely at your destination, travel light. Travel light. Some of you are struggling. Some of you are struggling with your faith. Some of you are struggling, literally, let's just talk about faith for a moment. You're struggling with your faith. You're struggling with your ministry. You're struggling with life and how faith fits into your life because you're carrying too many things. You're literally laden with a whole load of items that you're trying to keep happy. There's a, there's a famous story about a, a traveller, I like to climb mountains, no real ones, only UK ones, so they're not real mountains, are they? let's be honest about it, but I love to do that, and in fact, funny enough, Chris was telling me about Ben Nevis again this morning, and, and I'm up for that, if you want to go, come, come along with us, we'll have a ball, but there's, when you, you sometimes, I've been with loads of different people on climbing expeditions and stuff like that, expeditions, that sounds so grand, it's so not expeditions, but anyway, let's, let's pretend for a moment, and there's always that one person who, and it's normally the person who's never been before, and they've got this bag, and it is laden with stuff, 
And there's a famous story about some climbers and they were going to climb a massive mountain over in America and, and there's this one guy and, and, and the, the guide is telling them, travel light, take only what you need to get up there. And this guy's spent thousands on all the equipment, all the gear and no idea. And he, he rocks up and he's got it all and he's looking smart and he thinks he's all swish and he, he knows all the stuff and he's got his map and you name it, he's got everything there. And I'm not saying, you know, if you're going to climb a mountain, there's some stuff that's essential that you must take, okay, emergency stuff and things like that. But this guy's going above and beyond and then he, he heads off and he's, he's wanting to get up there first and off he goes. And then as the other travellers are going along, they start seeing stuff left on the track as they're going along, as the guy's getting more and more tired and he's having to leave stuff until eventually he's virtually left everything because he can't carry it, because he can't make it to the end with all the gear that he's taken with. And some of the stuff, you know, we cannot make it to the end with some of the stuff that you are, some of you are carrying. Some of you are carrying stuff with you that you cannot reach your destination with. You've got to let go of. If you want to attain and you want to achieve what God's got for you, if you've got faith and you believe God's spoken to you, or maybe you just want God to speak to you, maybe you're, you're desperate, you're crying out and you want God to give you something to do, something special, something exciting. He's willing, you know. Do you know that? He's not up there like, nah, I don't really fancy you, I want to give it to that person instead, or I've already picked the people I want to give to. You don't need to take from someone else to give to you, you know. He's the creator God, he can create from nothing. Spoke all of this into existence from nothing. So he can create a ministry, some works for you. Maybe it's just stuff you need to get through life. Maybe it's just to get through today. If you're really, really struggling and you're like right on the verge, it feels like there's maybe one or two, maybe someone in here and you, you're just struggling to full stop to make ends meet. I don't know what that is with. I've just got an impression that that's the case. I want to tell you one of the most important teachings that Jesus ever gave was today. It's okay to have plans. It's good to have plans for tomorrow and think about your future and, and all of that stuff. But when things get overwhelming, today, don't even think about tomorrow. Don't even think about tomorrow. Jesus said, cast all your cares upon me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. I'll get you through today. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. I'll, I'll get you there safely. I'll get you there safely. And some of you are feeling overwhelmed. And it's because you're trying to fulfill your baggage. The baggage isn't always physical things that you can carry. Sometimes the baggage is other people's expectations. Sometimes it, the baggage is things that you, should, you feel like you should be fulfilling. Things you, you feel like you should be doing. You must be doing this. You must be doing that. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Very, very few things in life that you must do, that you should do. There's lots of things that are worthy. There's lots of things that are good. But God keeps it simple. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep it simple. Travel light there is only one thing I want to argue with you this morning that you truly need. There's lots of other things that help, lots of other things that are important, but they all come under, if you like, they are all part of this. And, and any of those on their own won't get you there. Any of those things on their own won't get you there. Some of them are incredibly worthy. Some of them we preach on. Some of them we're encouraging you to do. 
but they're not as important as this one thing, as this one single thing that will get you there. I, you know, I want to tell you so, so many things this morning. I'm a teacher at heart. I taught for 10, 15 years in secular education. I love to teach. I love to instruct. I love to guide. But do you know what? God has commanded me. He's commanded me. I love to teach, to, to show off my ability and, and what I know and what I understand. But God has commanded me. I will say this lightly. God has commanded me to keep it simple to keep it simple, to keep my messages simple, to keep them understandable, to keep them focused, to keep them on point. And the thing this morning, you're probably desperate, what is this one thing? What is the one thing that we need above all else? That nothing else really matters when you compare it to this. It's faith. It's faith. You could talk about, you, could, you might have been thinking, the Bible, read the Bible. And that would be a worthy thing. And that would be a good thing. And we would be telling you, read the Word. Read the Word. Read the Bible. Study it. Get to know it. But it won't get you into heaven. Study that book all you want. You learn it from cover to cover. You can memorise all the verses. You can know it all. There's no exam at the pearly gates. Peter's not there with a, with a spreadsheet and some questions to get you to tick an answer. And if you get enough right, if you get past a certain percentage, you get in. If you don't, you're off to the fiery flames. It doesn't work like that. Does anyone think it works like that? The Bible. The Bible is there to teach you Faith. If you're learning the Bible and you're studying Scripture and you know that book inside out, but you're not learning faith from it. You're wasting your time. And understand this, right? Because it could sound sacrilegious, like I'm making the you know, Bible's not important and all that. Many, many Christians have given their lives to translate that Bible for us, to put it in the hands of people around the world, and it is worthy of giving my life for. I would give my life for that book, to put it into people's hands. So don't misunderstand here as if I'm saying, hey, the Bible isn't important. The Bible is vitally important because it's God's communication with us. It's his primary way of speaking to us and teaching us. It's just that if you learn the book and you don't get the message, you've wasted your time, you've missed the point. See, the Bible is alive. It's not a book. It's more than a book. The Bible is the living word. It, it talks about itself and we call it the word of God. The word of God. It is God's primary way of communicating with us. But on its own, it won't get you to heaven. It'll point the way. It'll tell you. It'll teach you. It'll guide you. And if you'll listen to it and you'll be instructed by it and you'll understand it and you'll do everything that it says rather than just the bits that you like, take it as a, a whole package, it will take you there. And it is the most incredible book in the world. 
But that book, on its own, without faith. In fact, you need faith to read the Bible. Come on. I was expecting you know, a bit more response from that one. We say that one again, right? You need faith to read the Bible. You need faith to read the Bible. When I said before about Jesus, and I said about, um, I got slightly mixed up. You might, have, you might twig it now. I, I said about Jesus being amazed. I said, oh, it's a really powerful verse, you know, because everyone was amazed by Jesus. I, I got it wrong, actually, because the more important verse is a different one. Let, let me tell you the, the more important verse. The more important verse is, in. if you notice, I skipped a few verses. That was because I wanted to throw it in now. Uh, it's verse 5 in Mark 6. And because it's one of only two verses in the entire book that says this, and it's about Jesus being amazed. Not people being amazed by Jesus, but Jesus being amazed. And the first one, there's two. They're both on about the same thing, but they're looking at it from different sides. This first one, it says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Let me say that again. He was amazed at their unbelief. And bizarrely, that word, that, that word for amazed, the Greek word is from the word admire. Its main meaning is admire. So you could, it could have been translated, he admired their unbelief. Clearly, that would be a misrepresentation of what he meant there. What it means is he was wowed by it, but not in a good way. He was like, oh my goodness, such unbelief. You know, like that kind of stuff, like the teenagers are all doing, that's right, and they're like, ah! <laughs> is, it, is it like that? Probably getting it all wrong, but did, yeah, I'm making a fool of myself, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> You know, I've got a picture of like an Instagram kind of little, little meme, you know what I mean? Where they're just like, you know? <laughs> Jesus is just like, what? 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 Wow. He's just like, it's a meme. It's, it's a meme right there. You, is this, this making sense? It's a meme. This is a meme. Right? Jesus' amazement's a meme. Preaching to the young ones. <laughs> the other occasion... It's the opposite. The other occasion, we might, if we've got time at the end, we'll talk about this because I'd like to get there. The other one is about the centurion. There's a story about a centurion. And he comes, his daughter's sick, she's dying. And he comes to Jesus and he wants Jesus to heal his daughter. And, and Jesus is like, yep, I'll, I'll come now. I'll come and heal, you know, and he's ready to go. And, and the centurion's like, whoa, no, 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 you don't need to. Lord, just say the word. Just say the word. Lord, just please. It's like a. I can. I'm picturing right this this awe and this respect of you know like going to like the president say you know and, and and someone you admire beyond anyone else and you ask them to do something and they're they're willing to go above and beyond and you're like no 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 honestly just just that would be enough you know like you know you go to a millionaire and maybe you, you've got a friend who's sick and you're like I need a thousand pounds to to kind of heal them and they're like hey have ten and you're like no 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 honestly just a thousand is enough. Is that kind of thing going on with the centurion? Is that making sense? It's another meme. 
And, the, and, and, and Jesus, it says, it's only twice in the whole book that Jesus is amazed. And on this second occasion, he's amazed by the centurion's faith. He's amazed. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Everywhere he went, it was, they were amazed by him. And he, the only thing that amazed Jesus, the only thing that amazed Jesus was faith. Can I say that again? I feel like that needs a little bit more gravity. The only thing, the only thing, the one and only thing that the Bible records, and I don't think it missed something out here, that amazed Jesus was faith. 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 The Bible says faith is the only thing that pleases God. In fact, it says without faith, it is impossible. Did someone say, come on then, on a, like a phone? Is someone free? Come on, absolutely come on. The only thing, the only thing that impressed Jesus, that amazed him, was faith. Faith. And listen, when we talked about people who don't make it to the destination... People maybe who confess to be Christians and don't make it to the destination. The Bible says at one point, they, they've left us because they were never really with us. Yeah. But there's something that they have in common and there's something that the people who, are, who make it have in common. And it's lack of faith. You know, when you're talking about an amazing Christian, can anyone think the kind of word, the phrase we use to describe They're a great, what do we say, a man of faith. We might say man of God or woman of faith, woman of God. How many times have you used that phrase or have you heard that phrase, or they're a great man of faith, woman of faith. The, when I think back over my Christian life, the things that have impressed me the most, faith. Yeah. I have the fondest memories, and I refer to this person regularly and I'm, I'm unashamedly so, because I, am, I, am, I do have a, the utmost respect. I, I have the fondest of memories of becoming a Christian, and, and me and Vicky lived at the farmhouse for a number of years, and sitting, and there's this room at the back, and it's got this boiler in it, and it's like Apollo 13. It's the loudest thing. If you've ever tried to watch telly in that room with this boiler going off, it's incredible. But we would sit there till the early hours of the morning and talk about, the, about faith and the things that this lady had done. I'm on about Pastor Tina. And, and I'd just be wowed by it. Wowed by the stories. Wowed by the, the stuff. When I read about the, the, you know, the, the great men of faith like Smith Wigglesworth and people like that. When I think about the exploits. When I think about the things things in my life that I am, if it, can you use the word proud? I don't mean it proud as in, hey, look at me, how great I am. I don't quite mean it like that, so if I can use it loosely. You know, when I think about the things that I'm proud of in my life, of what I've done, it's the things when I've stepped out in faith. It's when God said, hey, Barry, I want you to do this, right? Like, 
and, and it's something quite flipping risky. And I'm thinking, wow, if I do that, how am I going to make ends meet? Like, I've got a young family, I've got a mortgage, and God's saying, hey, I want you to give up your job. I'm not going to tell you what the job you want to go to, but I want you to hand in your notice, and I'm handing in my notice. Or I want you to go and take a job at somewhere where the salary doesn't cover your mortgage. And then I'm working there for six, seven years with a, a family and a mortgage. The salary didn't cover my mortgage, let alone, you know, the kind of, you know, the little fancy things like food and clothes and all of that stuff, you know? And I'm not up here bragging. Hopefully you get it. I'm making a point. I'm making a point that it's faith. It's faith that will get us there. So what is faith? What is it? What actually is faith? And I know you could, some of you could shout out Hebrews and all of that faith is, you know, and, and you could give me all that dictionary definition, Bible definition of what faith is. Uh, let, can I give you one word? Can I sum it up in one word? Trust. Could I sum it up like that? Could we just keep it really simple? And, you, I, you know, I'm, and I know I'm simpling it right down and making it really easy and really understandable. Trust. Trust, you know. It's like I kind of want to get someone up here and me, you know, do another meme for you. Just go to fall back and there's someone behind me and they're going to catch me, you know. Another little meme and, and trusting that they're going to catch me, but I'm not sure there's anyone in here. Trust to do that, but no, no. <laughs> and then the immediate response to trust then is, hey, but oh, no, 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 I can't trust God. I can't trust God. Really? Anyone? Anyone like, yeah, I can't trust God. I don't know. If I, yeah, I can't trust God. No one's putting their hand up to that. Any, any hands for that one? I can't trust God. No. Wow, what a bunch of liars we all are. Seriously. I mean, we are all a bunch of hypocrites and liars, aren't we? Let's be honest about it. Because really, do we all truly trust God all the time? In every, is there anyone in here? Let me do it the other way around. Is there anyone in here who trusts God completely all the time in everything he asks you to do? You trust him. Any hands for that? These aren't my hands going up. I'm just making sure. Because if there's, if there's, I want to shake your hand. I will get down off this stage and shake your hand, sir or madam, if you can put your hand up to that. Anyone? Anyone? Go in. Go it. There's a little girl putting. Is she? Are you putting your hand up there, darling? <laughs> I'm embarrassing you. <laughs> I think she's just stretching. To be fair. It's trust. People talk. I mean, it's it's one of our pet hates. Me and Vicky, right? Is when people talk about mature Christians. Because generally, when I hear people lauding someone, or they're a mature Christian, right? They turn out to be some of the worst people I've ever met, to be quite frank. (laughs) What is a mature Christian? It's someone who trusts God. They've learned to trust God. They're not bigging you with all the Bible knowledge, and I know this, and I know that, and I've done this, and I've done that, and look at how great I can do this, and blah, 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 blah. They just trust God. When things are going badly, they trust God. When things are going well, they trust God. When they don't know what to do, they trust God. In every single circumstance, in every single situation, whether it's good, bad, in between, whether they know they've got to face something and they don't know how they're going to do it, and they doubt, but ultimately, ultimately, once those moments of doubt have passed, Come on, are you guys going to get up and give them some hope that I'm going to finish? Because I think we're six minutes over. They trust 
God. They trust God. They might have little doubts and stuff like that, but ultimately they trust God. They put their faith and their trust in Him alone. You know, you might be thinking about relationship. The words, you know, having a relationship with God. You know, that's what we have. It's not what we're called to do in one sense. You know, it's like me being a son. I'm a son. I'm a husband. You know, there's more. What is relationship? Is it obedience? It's trust. Think about the people who you are the closest to, who you love the most, who you value the most in your life. And I would imagine the higher the trust, the higher they are up that scale. I would imagine the people that you dislike the most, the ones that you know, as soon as my back's turned, I better cover it. Or someone better be behind me protecting it because first chance they get, that's where they'll be. Yeah? It's trust. It's not lack of sin. The cross was God's love letter to us. It was an invitation. It was an invitation to trust Him. It was an invitation to to change living your life from the way you think it should be done and trusting in your own kind of knowledge and what you think is right and wrong and what you think will work and won't work to going, hey, I'm going to trust God now. I'm going to put my faith in Him. Come on, can we stand? It just feels like there's some of you in here that, maybe this is, it feels like this has sparked some stuff with some people. Don't be condemned by this message. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to convict. Conviction's different. Conviction's to point out where you are so that you realize and then you know what you need to do and how you need to change. Faith's about the promises of God. You need the Bible to know them. It's about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with other Christians. Getting to know the people around you. Proper relationships. I'm not about people on the internet, I'm not about proper relationships. People you know, people you can pick up the phone, people you can call at the house, they can call at your house. Not only do you know them, they know you. How well does God know you? How much have you confessed to God? How much do you trust Him? Because the biggest issue that Jesus had when He said, depart from you, from me, sorry, was the people, He says, I never knew you. Not you never knew me. So many people think it's all about what we know about God. It's actually the other way around. It's what God knows about us. It's not our knowledge. Paul said all of our our greatness, it's all filthy rags. 
It's nothing. In fact, it's, it's, an, it's an abomination to God. When we're there and we're trying to impress God with how good we are and how much we know and, and how great we are, God's like, I actually hate that. He's like, what do you think you're impressing me? Yet when we come and we're like, hey God, here's me. I'm an open book. Here's where I'm at. Here's all the doubts. Here's all the worries. Here's all the concerns. Here's all the fears. I don't know how I'm going to do it, God. This is where I'm at. God's like, come here, son. Come here, daughter. Come closer. He wants to put his arms around you and to love you, to comfort you, to encourage you. And he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. And if you're thinking you've not got enough, you can't trust him, then let me ask this, right? Could you trust him? Literally, right? Maybe some of you might be worried about bills and finance. It's probably the easiest one to talk about. You might be worried about getting through to the end of the month. There's too much month left at the end of the money. I'm going to ask you this, right? Have you got the faith to get through today? It's all you need. It's all you need. Just the faith to get through today. Not tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has all the worries of its own and it'll deal it with itself. Today. Today. Right here. Right now. One of the most beautiful scriptures when you're overwhelmed with so many different things going on. You, you, you just haven't got what you need. Just focus on today, Jesus said. Just focus on today. Come on, I want to give you an opportunity to pray and then let's close this meeting and let's go and chill and have some fun. Amen. Maybe we could just bow our heads for a moment. Maybe close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. I just want to create a, an environment, an atmosphere where we can pray for anyone who wants to be prayed for, if that's okay. It won't take too long. Maybe um, there's some confession that's needed. In fact, I'm not going to ask anyone to put their hands up to this. I'm just going to ask you, just take a moment, maybe the band will just play just for literally 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Just take a moment now to confess. Just confess, confess it to God right now, right here, right now. Do it now. Do it now. Tell him. If you've not already done it, here's what I'm confessing, my unbelief. Anyone want to change the world? You can't change yourself, you can't change the world. You want to lead? You've got to lead yourself. You can't lead yourself, you can't lead anyone else. Some, it feels like some of you need to confess unbelief. Just tell him now. It's a few more moments. Literally moments. Tell him now. Okay, now we've got that out of the way. Now we've confessed. Feels like some of you want a fresh start. You're feeling like there's, you've let God down. I, I, I would argue you haven't actually, but 
this is how you're feeling. What did we say it needed? Faith, wasn't it? Have you got the faith to put your hand up in a prayer? Plenty of eyes closed. There might be one or two peeping. I don't know. Hopefully not. But pretty, I, I'm looking around. I can't see anyone with their eyes open. People got their heads down and, and whatever. And ask you, it's not for me, but for God, if you want a fresh start with God in, in your faith journey, maybe, you, maybe you've got faith, but you just know it's, it needs to go up a notch. Maybe God's calling you out. Yeah, his hand's going up already. Just place your hands up now. There's already hands going. I love it when that happens. People start putting their hands up before they even ask. Come on, hallelujah. Just place your hand up to God now and just pray and just ask him. He's willing, you know. He's willing. He'll do it right now. He'll do it right now. Fresh start with him. Faith, trust, just believe in him. He'll do it. And it just starts with today. Don't ask him for faith for the next few years or anything big. Just ask him for faith for today. That's all I'm asking you to ask for is faith for today. Can anyone do that? Faith for today. Lord, give me faith for today. Lord, give me, 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 Barry Cross. Give me faith for today, Lord. Faith for today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Anyone else? Give me faith for today, God. Hallelujah. Jesus. And finally, last one. Anyone in here, and you've, you've maybe been considering God, and, and you've heard enough. You've basically heard enough. You've heard enough. Being hands going up already this morning, and, and maybe you just want to be a Christian right now. I'll tell you what it entails. It, it doesn't really entail putting your hand up. That's just something so I can pray with you. you it's not really that important, the hand. But what is important is that you pray to God you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So you can pray a prayer with us all together now, which we'll do in a moment together, and then tell someone, hopefully one of us, and we'll come and give you a Bible and have a chat with you and help you out. But is there anyone in here? I'm on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand on one. So I'm going to ask you to just to put your hand up. If that's you, you've, you're already convinced, you've been coming, you're not being sure, you really want to be a Christian, you've been kind of working it out, listening to the message, maybe you've heard messages other places on two I'm going to ask you just in a moment this is your moment right here right now your moment the, the first day of your Christian life when I talked about my Christian life it was 21 22 years ago in this room well not this exact room but this church this people and in the back in the corner virtually at the back in the far corner and if it's you just raise your hand right now on a pray we're all going to pray together anyone anyone in here right now wants to become a christian hallelujah hallelujah jesus praise god praise god jesus hallelujah praise you lord come on Hallelujah. Just one more moment, anyone. I think, is that a hand? If, if someone's putting a hand up there, would you just do it again just so I know? Hallelujah. That, yeah, I got that. Absolutely got that. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. Let's, let's pray together, all of us. Would you pray with this person with me? Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus. I have believed in my heart, and I trust you right now 
with the rest of my life. Forgive me, Lord, and help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I know we went slightly over, but it was worth it this morning, just for that alone. Um, what should we do? Have we got, what are we doing for time? 38, we're slightly over. Do you want a song or we should we? Song. song? We need a song. Well, let's do a short song. We'll do a short song. We're over. Vicky's away. She won't moan at me. We've gone over time. Right, we'll do a short song. Praise, worship. If you need to go, feel free. We'll have a song. Cafe's open. Enjoy the cafe. Get round a few people. God bless you. Thank you.